Welcome to Leading from Alignment, a weekly podcast from Converge Coaching, where our passion is to help you lead better, lead longer, and enjoy it more. Hello there, and welcome to another episode of Leading from Alignment with uh, guru, coach, friend, mentor, tormentor, John Opaluski. John, <laughs> it's good to have you today. How are you doing? I'm doing good, Jim. Good to be with you. Good. I, I know that uh, you're excited and passionate about the topic that we're about to discuss because this one thing probably leads to more business, if you will, the negative business, not the proactive business, but right. the reactive business of converged coaching. Um, there is a, an epidemic. I would say, of people that do not understand the importance of our topic today. And I know that you're passionate about it. I've heard you speak on it. It's funny, when you speak, normally there's a, people are interacting and they're, they're nodding their head. When you talk about this, there is such conviction <laughs> in the room. That it's like a deer in the headlights. And uh, tell us a little bit about today's topic. So the, uh, the title is Why Leaders Resist Rest. And... Um, uh, a study was published about three years ago from Barna, and it was a study, gym of 14,000 lead pastors, Protestant lead pastors in the United States. And uh, some of the stats that stood out to me from that study, extensive study, was the these. 37% of lead pastors are at medium to high risk of burnout. Uh, 66% say they have no deep friendships. And 40% are not energized by ministry work, and wow. and as bad of a picture those stats paint, here's what, here's what really gets me upset, uh, is many of the moral failures we read about can be traced to exhaustion. Yeah. And, and I don't know that we've connected those dots very well. We think these guys are evil. We mm. think these guys are horrible people. Right. But uh, what happens is guys who run hard, Last our last pod we talked about adrenaline addiction, right? right? But guys who run on adrenaline and get to a place where they're so tired, their defenses are lowered, and they do incredibly stupid things right. that they wouldn't do if they were well-rested. Yeah. So that's really what I'd like us to, to get yeah. our arms around today. It's funny, I, I came up in the 80s, you know, I was being trained in the 80s with, with the, the age of the televangelist, uh, and I believe that all of those things, that, I mean, every to, to a man, the, the moral failures that made such huge news and really have, have damaged in the eyes of a generation the cause of Christ. It was such a public and, and simple, silly even, you know, uh, fall from grace. Right. And, and then the reactions afterwards of people, it really... Uh, it really damaged the body of Christ in the United States and thus the world. And it came back to this. It came back to not not putting a governor on your own soul, on your right. own body, on your own calendar. Yeah. Um, so I, I, I have said some of the things that I'm sure you're going to say because I've heard you teach on this before. Right. I, the number one thing I say is, well, John, it's not really that much effort for me to work because I love what I do. I can teach 10 times a week because I love teaching. So it's not the same as, as work. It's actually something I was born to do and created to do, right? And, right. So what do you think? Well, if you love what you do for a living, you're at more risk than most yeah. of ignoring your need for rest. Um, you'll tend to overestimate how much emotional fuel is in your tank. Yeah. Uh, you know, when you do what you love, you tend to feel energized by it, exhilarated by it, fulfilled by it. And I think what can happen, Jim, is a false sense of invincibility yeah. can overtake you. So when you love your calling, 
you love your assignment. You can work for long stretches without feeling tired. But just because you don't feel tired doesn't mean you aren't tired. Mm-hmm. And the danger is those the positive outcomes that come uh, out of that can mask the need to catch our breath. Right. So, so good outcomes are not permission to avoid practicing Sabbath rest. Right. As, uh, you know, because I think some guys think, look at the results I'm getting. Look at look at how much we're growing. Look at how many people are being yeah. reached. All good things, right? Yeah. But good outcomes are never a reason to be disobedient. Yeah. To what the Lord has articulated to us from the beginning of time. Right. That there needs to be this rhythm of work and rest. You know, I've read some of the histories of of great revivalists through the years, and it's shocking the number of the stories that don't end well. Right. The number of them that end well are probably a third. Mm. And we're talking about, you know, well-known names that did it well or did it poorly. And to to have that ability to heal the sick and raise the dead and preach to thousands before the invention of the microphone and see global results and, and then... I, one of them, his wife, while he was overseas, she was there being faithful with children and so forth. She died of malnutrition while he was preaching in the jungle. Mm. You just go, how, how could you How could you get that far out of line? And he never forgave himself for it. really destroyed um, most of his ministry for the rest of his life. And we see that over and over again. Some of the greats, you know, from our generation and right. from, you know, centuries past have destroyed what God gave them to Stuart right. because they, they didn't know when to stop. Right, you know, and I think there's a supernatural grace to go farther than we can go without that grace. But you see so much, even in Scripture, the you know, after you outrun a chariot, you need to rest, or you begin to be depressed. You right. need to, you know, there's not, there's a time for kings to go out to war, and for whatever reason, you're too tired to go out to war. That's when Bathsheba looks pretty good. There, yep. there are biblical narratives that absolutely, Amen. What you're saying, G- give us some other reasons why people would push beyond wisdom. Here's the one I hear a lot: I can't get everything done. And uh, I almost chuckle when I hear that because I think to myself, maybe one of the reasons you're struggling to get things done is because you're tired or you're yeah. exhausted. Yeah. Um, there's Jim, there's been a lot of research attempting to quantify the relationship between hours worked and productivity. Yeah. And, and I could cite several of them, Procter & Gamble, the National Association of Electrical Contractors, or the National Association of Mechanical Contractors. Yeah. And they, every one of these studies has found that employee output falls sharply after a 40-hour work week and off a cliff. It drops off a cliff after 45 hours. Wow. Think about that for a minute. Wow, yeah. That, uh, that there, is this, there is this range of great production that we can give, and then after a certain amount of time, no matter who you are and no matter what you do, your productivity begins to decline very rapidly um, mm. after a point of time. And so, you know, I know a lot of guys who are working 70 hours a week every week, and here's right. the sad truth. They're producing nothing more with those extra hours. Right, right. Except getting themselves in a bad spot. You know, and people say, well, that's not true. I, I produce great. I have, the, I have a higher capacity. I think one example that <clears throat> comes to mind immediately is the, as the holidays approach is that Christmas Eve, let's assemble some toys together after the kids go to bed. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's been an exhaustive season. Tomorrow's Christmas morning. Everybody's excited. The kids go to bed at 10 o'clock instead of 8 o'clock, and you start assembling things at 11 o'clock. By 2 o'clock in the morning, it's shocking what you have not gotten done, how frustrated you are, right? and and how literally how Christmas can be ruined. Something as beautiful as Christmas can be ruined because 
we're, we're trying to, to do things we just don't, we don't have the capacity to because we're exhausted. Right. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Keep keep going with that. I, I, I think we're, we're starting to zero in on some people's issues. So here's the third one. And Jim, this, this one might bother you a little bit. So I just want to <laughs> warn you. Um, here's the third excuse I've heard. I can't stand sitting still. Yeah. And, and my response to that is that excuse should frighten you. Yeah. Yeah. It, it may indicate addiction. Yeah. Adrenaline or cortisol addiction. And and those hormones being over-released due to elongated stress affect your brain a lot like crack cocaine right. affects your brain. You get you get hooked on this rush of busyness and rest actually makes you fidgety yeah. and uncomfortable. And and being uncomfortable, again, is never an excuse for disobeying God. Right. He, he tells us in Psalm 46, he says, be still. Hmm. Uh, another translation puts it this way cease striving and know that I am God <laughs> yeah yeah it's funny I we used to take uh, one week vacations and the problem with one week vacations is about the time I start slowing down right. feeling good being able to enjoy watching a whole ball game instead of an inning and then getting up and doing something and while I'm scrolling while I'm you know what I mean uh, it's time to come back and yeah. I, I remember pulling back into Fenton with, with young kids in the minivan, and my palms would start to sweat. Mm-hmm. I, would, I would feel that return of pressure and anxiety. So we learned that if we're going to take a break, you can, you can take almost two weeks off with only missing one Sunday, and the vacation really doesn't begin until your clock comes back to a natural rhythm, until you're sleeping in, yeah, there you go. until you're holding your wife's hand, until you're, you're playing catch with the kids, going to Gatlinburg and getting throwing knives and finding a log and trying to learn how to throw knives at the log and, you know, just stuff you would never take time to do in your everyday life. And then by the time you come back, you actually have not just gone back to a rhythm for a day, but you, you've kind of reabsorbed the rhythm from the Garden of Eden, you know, the six days on, the one day off. You have emotional energy to go after some things that you weren't going after because it would take too much capital to try to, you know, approach that person or deal with that issue. Those things all change when you do get proper rest. So um, another one that I hear a lot, John, maybe you can elaborate on is people are saying, you know, if I don't do it, it's not going to get done. I I really, for this season, and that's that season, uh, my son told me something he saw on Facebook the other day. It says adults, the adult world is uh, saying things will go back to normal next week until you die. (laughs) That was the the lie we tell ourselves as adults. but. But that, uh, you know, if, if I don't mow the grass, if I don't open the doors, if I don't plow the snow, if I don't pastor this church, nobody else will. So for this season, for the next year or two or 10, it is up to me to do everything. What, do you, what would you say to that? Well, I would say that's a myth and that that's true only one time. <clears throat> you know, if I want something done right, I have to do it myself. That's true once. Yeah. Part of my job as a leader is to get work done through other people. Right. And uh, not just because it helps me, it helps them. It helps them yeah. grow. It helps them develop. Yeah. And so taking time to actually help people understand, here's, here's what I need. Here's an outcome I'm looking for. I'd like you to take this on, but I need to spend some time training you, actually yeah. training you how to do that. Yeah. So it'll take, it will take you 90 minutes to train somebody to do a five-minute task. Yeah. <laughs> but if you don't have to do that five-minute task, for a year, you're right. gonna buy back ten hours yeah. of time, yeah, just by delegating that one thing. And I yeah. and and so, you know, if you don't have enough people helping you, I, I think you need to take a step back and analyze that for yeah. a minute. Is your pace getting actually getting in the way? 
right. of people development. Um, and I think if you're a pastor, one of your one of your greatest responsibilities is to release people to serve where their passion, pain, and proficiency intersect. And Jim, you and I talk yeah. about the three circles of yeah. passion, pain, proficiency yeah. a lot. I, I think our calling is to is to help people yeah. help to see the greatness in people. Yeah, and call it out. And of call them. it out. I think too. You know, we're recruiting people because we need three more nursery workers, or we can't take any more babies. I think that that draws a certain person mm-hmm. versus not recruiting, but releasing people who love babies, yes. figuring out who they are, helping them find their place in the body of Christ, in the world, in in industry, in marriage, and then releasing them. That we're we're called to do good works in Ephesians two ten, and then those who are pastors are called to help people develop them for those good works same right. same word works you know that we're our ministry is to build their ministry their yeah. ministry is not to build our ministry and yeah. helping them find who they are and releasing them in meaningful places is one of the greatest things for them that, that we can do for them and some people are called to pick up trash in the parking lot right they get just as big a bang out of that as you would out of giving an altar call and seeing people saved because god created them you know, for those details, for those minutiae issues that, that bother them. Um, and sometimes it's that pain that tells us we're supposed to be doing something about it. Right. Um, I, you know, I, I think one of the greatest things I hear people say was if I don't do it, it won't get done. Or if, or if I don't do it, things are just going to fall apart. The thought that what I've worked so hard to build is not going to be damaged by me delegating uh, or just letting things go. Like, what would you say to someone that would say that? I, I would say this, that pastoring is a faith venture. You know, the Bible says without faith, it's impossible to please God. Yeah. That's true for leaders. Yeah. Uh, that, I mean, it requires faith, Jim, to believe you can get more done in six days than in seven. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you need faith to believe that God's minding the store while you yeah. take a day off. Yeah. Um, that he's working even when you rest. And I, and I have to remind myself, it's his church after right. all, not yeah. mine. Yeah. And, and so I can't pastor effectively without faith. Right. And, and some of this is a, is a faith problem, I think, Jim. I, I don't know. What do you I think agree. about that? I agree. I agree completely that, that it's it, for if I don't do it, it won't get done. Things will fall apart if I don't do it. Like, man, uh, change that to any other location. You're managing a McDonald's. It doesn't work. You're, right. you're starting a business. It doesn't work. You're a teacher in a classroom. It doesn't work. The only place we would deceive ourselves enough to believe this is, is inside of a church. And, and I can tell you with great assurance, it doesn't work. Right. If it does work, it works for a short season, it's unhealthy, you burn out, and the church is left in worse shape after your burnout than it was beforehand. And right. when, when you're working as hard as you know how to work and things aren't going the way you want them to go, growing as fast as you want them to grow, or, or even declining, and then people are complaining as you're working hard, I don't know many souls that can take that kind of neglect compounded with the abuse right uh and then people just say i must not be good at this and you know you start looking for greener pastures when it it wasn't the church's fault or god's fault or the opportunity's fault it was we mismanaged you know what god gave us so um i think you know you and i both came up at the same time when man if you didn't work eight days a week and you you know you were lazy and Mm -hmm. uh we inherited some kind of bad models i don't think that's over with I, i think because now we're leaders Right. You know, we, we might be tempted to try to get 100% out of 100% of our team 100% of the time when, what do they care about a men's breakfast? You know, they're, right. the, they're the youth pastor, you know? So what, what would you say to that? I think I think this, uh, this one reason, this last reason that leaders resist rest is because of modeling like that, Jim. 
you know, being a busy pastor was modeled to me. And if that's the model you cut your leadership teeth on, I think you need to trade that clunker in (laughs) for a healthier model. Yeah. Um, the, The principle of rest is pervasive throughout Scripture. Jesus rested. He admonished his disciples to do the same. And there's really no other way around that. You could give me any excuse you want to, and I'm going to bring you back to where, listen, in the end, we're supposed to model Christ. We're supposed to follow Jesus. And if you really, truly look at his life with an honest lens, you see that he took time away. He took time, downtime, time away from the crowd, time away even from the disciples so that he could just catch his breath. And, And so... There's really no other way around that. So if I could say anything to a, a leader who is listening today, it, it it would be these two words, enough ex- excuses. Yeah, enough excuses. Enough excuses. Enough explaining away why you consistently ignore your need for rest. Right. It's time to learn how to get that part of your life uh, together um, or else you run the risk of becoming a stat yeah. and not a good one, Yeah. a negative one. I think this is one of those places, John, where I would say with great confidence, and if you're dreaming about the future, then maybe you don't need a a coach for every little part, every little dream. But if you're dealing with something as dangerous as this, and you you really need an honest third party that's outside that just looks at data and says, okay, your schedule, your behavior, your model, your pattern is unhealthy. You can, after all these years of watching guys that have burned out and hearing their stories, tell when someone's going to burn out if they continue. Right. So I, I just want to encourage those who are listening today. This is not a plea to become uh, a client. Uh, you know, we, what you're getting today, you're getting absolutely free of charge. But I would really suggest that if some of these things have hit you, to, to get a hold of John at convergecoach.com. Um, uh, there's the phone number there if you want to talk on the phone. There's an email. But really, I think it's one of those areas where we really do need to be honest with somebody in a way that would it'd be difficult to be honest with our spouse, with our staff, with right. our board. You need somebody that you can just say, I think I might be uh, in, in this loop. So we've got our 13th podcast coming up, and it's going to be about sleep. Give <laughs> us the 10-second uh, teaser. Where are you on, on that? Uh, the, the title is The Irrefutable Power of Sleep. And um, I like to talk uh, in the next podcast, Jim, about sleep being a secret weapon yeah. for a leader. And, and we're going to look at it. We're going to get a little physiological with that. Yeah. It, but also we'll try to be as practical as we can because, you know, the Bible says the Lord grants sleep to yeah. those he loves. Yeah. And uh, for many leaders, uh, sleep is elusive. And yeah. uh, we want to talk about how to harness that, that power so that you can do what God's called you to do for a long time. Yeah, wonderful. John, as always, thank you for sharing your wisdom with so many, and uh, you're changing lives. And when you change the life of a leader, you change the life of a congregation, of a business, of a family. So I I hope that you feel satisfied in in your work today, and we thank you so much for it. As always, scroll down to the bottom of the podcast and share it with a friend. Uh, Hit the like button, hit the share button, and change the world. In the meantime, we are so grateful for you being a part of this with us today. You're the reason that we do it. And uh, we hope to help you, as always, continue to lead from alignment. 